Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. It's so yummy, too. Today is... What is today? Who knows? Nobody knows. It is Tuesday, November 19th. Um, Thanksgiving in the U.S. is bearing down on us like a train loaded with fat, sugar, and alcohol. <laughs> Actually, I'm very much looking forward to Thanksgiving this year. We are um, heading to Tucson. Spend it with my mom and stepdad and stepsister and her husband and two boys. I know one of those boys sometimes listens to this. If you're listening, hi, Brett. Uh, looking forward to seeing you all next week. Should be fun. Going to spend some time doing some shopping with my mom and with my stepsister, our annual excursions, which involve long lunch with wine as well, as it should, and, and general hanging out in the sunshine. Should be great. Hi, Isabelle. You heard me talking? Yeah, you want to go out? Wouldn't be first cup of coffee without a little bit of cat wrangling. Okay, come on. Are you coming? Oh, now she's decided she wants to screw around in the closet. Yes. <laughs> come on. Where are you going? Now she's walking past the door. You want to go out or what? Everybody's bored of listening to this. Come on. I'm sort of scooting her towards the door. Yes, there we go. All right. Go on, then. <laughs> Nothing is straightforward with cats, right? Okay, now we can settle down. So I meant to mention before, you know, since I tell you inane details of my life, which aren't very interesting, but I feel like you should all know the nitty-gritty reality. I uh, have been getting the Nespresso Carmelito capsules, and they are just especially delicious. I really love that. Just the Carmelito flavor with half and half and a little bit of stevia, and it's fantastic. When I do the Ristretto capsules, I add a little bit of vanilla extract to it too, but um, this is just, I just love this latte. I want you guys to know how happy I am. I'm actually feeling really good today. For the first time in a while, I feel I woke up feeling energized and ready to get out the book and uh, just feeling good all around. You know what a relief that is when you haven't been feeling great. Um, so yeah, I'm just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed today. And in my first hour of writing, I got over 1,200 words, something like 1,264, I think, which is more than I got all day yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, I was doing a little bit of revising. Even though I tell you guys not to revise, I was. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Or do as I do and be willing to embrace what that means. Maybe that's a better way to put it. I mentioned on social media yesterday uh, if you follow me there, but I'll go into it more today, that I have come to a realization sometime between Sunday and yesterday 
that I think this book is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. And I put on social media that I think it's going to be about 40,000 words longer than I had projected, which means there's no freaking way I'm finishing it before Thanksgiving as I had planned. So in some ways that is freeing because it means I'm not trying to finish it before Thanksgiving anymore. And it's also freeing because it's a way that I've stopped fighting the book. And even though I'm always telling you guys that the great secret to pantsing your way through a novel is to go with the flow, you know, find, be one with the doubt, go with the flow, don't fight it, don't try to impose your will on it. It's it's an eternal process. You know, I think that's um, even Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, said, that it's it's a constant struggle to to be one with the doubt, or even struggle is probably the wrong word because you don't want to, you know, make make it happen. I remember when I taught Tai Chi classes, we had this one guy who was a student, and we were trying to get him to relax, and he was like grunting, and his whole body was tense, and we're like, okay, so you need to relax your body into the form and he says i know i'm forcing myself to relax <laughs> david and i still laugh about that one and that's i don't know probably coming up on 30 years later but every once in a while when we catch each other like trying to make something happen we're like oh just forcing myself to relax <laughs> because that is the I don't know. It's the push-pull of the Tao. I wanted to say it's the irony, and that's not the right word. But it is the uh, it's the push-pull of the Tao that in order to find your way into the flow, it's a process of letting go rather than doing, which is why the Tao Te Ching talks a lot about, you know, that you don't do things that you move away from force that it's and and some of it's a translation problem because in english we don't have good words for inaction the Tao talks about not taking action having no desires which to a western mind is incredibly difficult to process because we have a hard time thinking in terms of not having desires and not taking action because to us the reverse of action and desire is nothing. Right? It's like being a blob on the couch, which is not what the Chinese mean by it. So it's a it's a letting go. It's a freeing up. So for those of you very much interested in the process and wondering how I know how many words it will be when I am a pantser. This is what I do, and I know I'd promised at some point to talk about this, and hopefully it'll work to discuss, but um, in the, since I can't really point to figures and so forth, maybe I'll try to put a figure in the, in the show notes or in the photo. But what I do is I use the eight-scene-three-act structure. So, and this is one that's often taught in screenwriting. And this is the one that works for me. So, basically, the way it works is that you have scene one, 
which takes up, if we say that it's, sorry, let me back up. You have Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Act 1 climax happens at the first 25%. Act 2 climax happens at 75%. Act 3 climax happens at 90%, with 10% left to tie it up. And these are more or less, but they give your general structure. So Act 1 is comprised of Scenes 1 and 2. Act 2, you'll notice, is the largest. It's the middle 50% of the book, and it's composed of four scenes. And at 50% is the midpoint of the novel. Then there's scene 7 takes place after the Act 2 climax, right? Because we went 1, 2, Act 1 climax, then 3, 4, 5, 6 to Act 2 climax, Scene 7, and then at 90% takes place in the middle of Scene 8 with the denouement after. So the way that I can project how long a novel is or will be, even though I don't know exactly what all is going to happen in the book or how it will end, I write that Scene 1 and Act 1. And scene one, I always think of as like the opening shot in the movie, which, you know, sort of lays down the setting and the inciting incident and all of those good things. Uh, in screenwriting, I think, I don't know because I'm not a screenwriter, but they more or less are actual scenes. In novels, scene one maybe a bunch of different scenes, but I think of it as probably sequence is a better word. It's like that first sequence of events. But by the end of the act one climax, that first 25%, all the stakes should be set. And that's how I know when I've reached the act one climax, because I feel like I have laid out everything that is going to cascade through the rest of the story. So when we put this structure in terms of the hero's journey, we say that act one is get the hero up a tree. Act two is throwing rocks at them. Act three is getting them down the tree from the tree again. Um, you could even think in terms of Act one is getting the hero up a tree. Act two and three is throwing rocks at them. Like act two is throwing a lot of rocks at them. Uh, act three, they are limp and bloody and hanging from the branch of the tree. And then that last 10% is getting them safely down <laughs> from the tree with whatever they went up there to get. So... What happened to me was I had written scene one. I'm, I'm at um, almost 75,000 words now. And so I had written scene one and act one. And I thought, okay, I've got all of my stakes set. I think all of this stuff is done. And I had been writing all the way up to act two climax. 
And sometime on Sunday, as I was mulling the story, I'm just sort of daydreaming about it, I, I've been feeling increasing pressure because I knew I had somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20,000 words left. I would projected that the draft would finish out around 92, 93,000 words. So I knew that I had about 20,000 words left, and I, and I do um, chart this all out. I have spreadsheets. I am the spreadsheet queen, right? So I have, you know, like my average chapter length. I know where these climaxes and scene ends occur, where midpoint occurs. So I kind of know how many chapters I have left, you know, given the average chapter length so far and my projected ending, right? And I kept thinking, I don't know how I'm going to wind up all of these things. How How is this going to happen? So obviously this is me thinking about it way too much, right? I'm trying to control it. But I, I kept making notes, you know, and thinking, okay, I have to wind this up and I want this. And, and I was really starting to worry about this one aspect of the story because I was thinking, how am I going to have time to wind this up at the internal arc, really, when I have all of this external stuff happening? And at some point, I had the realization that what I thought was the Act 2 climax is actually the midpoint. And so when I, so instead of it being at 75%, it was really at 50%. So yesterday, I opened up my spreadsheet, and I looked at it, and I reparsed the book in terms of what if that, what I thought was the Act 2 climax is actually the midpoint, and it actually falls out perfectly. The, the beats that I thought were the original beats, they make much more sense under this new framework. And it, but unfortunately, that means that the book is going to come out somewhere around, what I figure, like 134,000 words. So, I th and at first I was like, no, because I had hoped I'd finish it this week. And then yesterday I, you know, what, what is it like all the stages, you know, grief, denial, anger. <laughs> Finally, I hit acceptance. And I was like, if that's how long this needs to be. Oh, no, Isabel wants back in again. She jumps up and looks at me through the window like plaintive, abandoned putty. Hi, sweetheart. She comes trotting in. I love how cats look like they're walking on their tiptoes. They look like little dancers, little fluky ballet dancers. So, um, once I realized, what, now you're going to come in here? Come on. Come on. Jump up if that's what you want. She probably wants second breakfast. She's become a hobbit lately. Becoming a hobbit in her old age. Always asking for second breakfast. Yes. And I indulge her a lot since she is starting to get older. I want her to stay eating healthily. Mm -hmm. uh, so at any rate, yesterday once I hit that acceptance. Do you want this chair? Is that what you want? I was sitting in her chair. Are you going to take it? I'm such a pushover. 
So once I hit this stage of acceptance, I felt so much better. I really felt the energy free up. And that's one way to tell whether or not you're in the flow of the Tao is because if you are in the flow, then it energizes you. So I'm feeling energized today and the words flowed. And so that meant that I had, you know, like found, found the right thing. So um, the upshot is, is that means that I'm shooting to have this book drafted before Christmas and it will probably won't be out till January. Um, so, I mean, in that case, it won't. It just won't be out till January. <laughs> but everybody on social media is so nice. Um, I really appreciate all of my readers. All of you guys are so awesome. Uh, everybody's like, more words from you is not a bad thing. <laughs> and I should have predicted this would happen because it happened with the Talon of the Hawk. The Talon of the Hawk, I figured out, was going to be 30,000 words longer than the first two books, just because there's so much to tie up with the arc. Now Jackson came in to see what Isabel was talking about. He, he heard the word second breakfast. He's like, what? Second breakfast? I shall awaken from my post-breakfast stupor for that. <laughs> so, so yeah, actually, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. And so I'm just going to go with that. And... I'm really happy to have all of the time to wind up everything that I want to wind up. So, so that's great. So let's see, what else do I have to tell you all? My mom was disappointed that yesterday's podcast was so short. Uh, <laughs> so it goes. The, the doing it every day thing definitely has an impact. I'm looking forward to getting back to my old schedule. I did go see the movie last Christmas and I really, I really liked it. I know that there was a fair amount of controversy uh, because it was advertised as a rom-com and it's not really a romance. And I was spoiled a little bit, um, and I'm just going to spoiler you guys, if you really, just on this one thing, it's not a detail, but it's an overall thing. So plug your ears for just a moment. If you don't want to hear it, turn down your radio. Um, it does not have a happy ever, ever after. So, okay, now you can come back. I won't say it again. So somebody told me that on Twitter and I was like, ouch on that spoiler. But then I was kind of happy that I knew that because it took away that expectation. And I found it to be... Just a really moving movie. I really, I really loved it. There were some things that I saw coming, but I did not see the ultimate twist. And you know, the whole setting, um, London at Christmas time was lovely. Amelia Clark was wonderful. Um, Emma Thompson is, of course, amazing as always as the bitter Russian mother. Oh, my friends were murdered. <laughs> Uh, it was it was just a really lovely movie, and I uh, I enjoyed every moment of it, and I enjoyed the emotional ride. So, I think if you go in knowing that it is not a romance with a capital R, then you will be fine. Because I I thought I found it to be a a very healing movie, a movie about healing and about finding delight and gladness in the world again. 
Um, oh, okay. I thought that stopped recording. It like popped up a different screen. So, let's see. Do I have anything else? I don't think so. I'll talk to you all tomorrow, so I can tell you anything else then. Oh, I guess the other thing is, is speaking of Christmas romance movies, um, I don't know what it is about this time of year, but or what it is about Christmas and romance. Maybe it is that um, the delight and gladness thing, but it is fun to watch the Christmas romance movies. I don't watch all of the Hallmark ones because some of them I find pretty um, cheesy, but if you guys have seen any really good ones, I would love to get recommendations because it really does, uh, it is a part of the Christmas ramp up for me. So I watched The 12 Dates of Christmas with um, Amy Smart. And that was great. And that's been out for years and years, and I'd never heard of it. And so I don't know why, but I, I really loved it. It's kind of a Groundhog Day for Christmas where she keeps reliving um, Christmas Eve day over and over from about the same 12 hours from you know around noon until midnight. And then she lives it over again. And uh, she, she does this 12 times, right? 12 dates of Christmas. And, and that's another one that's really um, shows the, the transformation, shows her coming to grips with uh, finding happiness in life again. And so I really loved that, and I recommend it. So, um, oh, the author coaching page should be up anytime now. I will put it on social media when it is, and I'll mention tomorrow, but I think Corrine's going to put it up today. That's exciting, huh? So, um, First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Great group of people. They're so nice. <laughs> we have a slack, and they're really just fun and delightful. Um, Tea and Strumpets is going to have a why we're thankful for romance little blurbs, and I've got one on there, so be watching for that. You can find that on frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye.